You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hello, people-centric leaders. We are back with another episode here of the People-Centric Podcast. Now, this one, I'm going to frame this topic just a little bit here before I introduce the rest of the uh, of the team here that's with us on the podcast today. This one is, is interesting. It might step on some people's toes. Uh, in fact, you might say, this sounds just like he's talking to me. And maybe I am, and maybe that's a good thing. You should probably listen up uh, as we go through this topic. So you know how you were little, you were younger, and maybe your parents, you just had these parents that just spoke awesome life into you, like, you be you, stand up, and it's okay if you're a little out there. Uh, it's okay if you're a little different. Yeah, say what's on your mind. Speak from your heart, like all of these things, which sounds super empowering to young ones or kids, uh, maybe yourself, maybe that brought up a fond memory for you. But has that ever happened to where that didn't translate well into adulthood or into the workplace? I'll give you a good example. I was at a business networking event and we was kind of, we were running a game. It was a game night. I wasn't running it. I was a participant in the game. But as the night went on at the networking event, the humor from the host got a little darker and a little darker and the participants got a little more uncomfortable so much so to the point where it was over and it was almost like thank god that's over because i'm not 100 percent sure where we would be five questions from now that was an example of somebody maybe getting a little too comfortable maybe sharing that side of them maybe maybe remember remembering from their childhood just say the things that's on your mind just say the things from the heart people will accept you that's not always true. Um, that's the type <laughs> of stuff we're going to be talking about today, right? Diana, I know that you, you're you on the podcast here as well, but this was a topic that you brought forward to say, maybe this is something we should talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the story about the person that was just getting a little too comfortable by the end of the night, but I think we all sort of do this a little bit. I know that when I was my younger self, I for sure was much more direct, even more so than I am today. And I was less empathetic than I am today. So you can only imagine like how well that went over. But I have learned that like maybe bringing, maybe bringing sociopath Diana is not good. Maybe that's not helpful for a team, right? But not productive. (laughs) Right. And honestly, like it is my, my natural tendency is to just sort of command something, right? That's my, I just just go do this thing and then let me know you've done that thing. But I also know that like, while that is my authentic self, it's probably not the best version of me. So I think, I think this is an important topic to kind of discuss, like, where are those boundaries and how do you be who you are without compromising that, but also while including others and making sure that you're not ostracized for who you are, or you can be the best version of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's some different elements to that, that we're going to get into like an emotional intelligence or a professionalism part there. So joining Diana and I is our own Bethany Taff. It's just the three of us today, but Bethany, what's the, uh, what's the part of you that we don't want to see? Oh, well, I've tried to keep that very secret. (laughs) 
Wow. I don't think, is there a part of you that's like, I don't know. Probably. probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. Where's he at? Dude, <laughs> Everybody get your spouse. This is all this is about to turn. Listen, I can be very demanding when I need to be. So. <laughs> Actually, I know that to be true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. See, Matt, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the right moment. <laughs> right. So we're talking about bringing our real selves to work. And again, let, maybe maybe this is a good time for a disclaimer. There's no uh, good or, or bad. There's no necessarily right or wrong about you as a person. We're not trying to diminish the things that you as a person might bring to the table, although quirky that may be, right, in the eyes of some people. What we're saying is there might be a line, though, between home self and work self, right? Self with family and friends versus self with peers and fellow employees. Uh, sometimes your work dynamic might be a little bit different. Ours, it feels like we're a pretty close knit group. In fact, we probably know some of the some of the worst things about each other or how we act. Uh, we have a lot of internal meetings. And then sometimes how we show up in the internal meetings, maybe me, maybe just me, uh, is different than how we show up on the podcast based on the conversation that we're having uh, too. So there's a difference between work self and maybe home self. And that's what we're talking about. This bleeds into the conversation as well of, like I said, professionalism. And maybe let's start there. So I just want to create kind of like a definition. So if we're talking about professionalism in the workplace, I don't know, what's your standard? Because we might have different standards for this. And that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that there is no professionalism standard. There's no like, this is clearly professional and this is not, especially... I think especially in the last five to seven years or so, when I first entered the workforce, if you were a minute late for work, you were late. Like that was not acceptable. And now people are kind of like, oh, trickle in five, 10 minutes, no big deal. No one says anything, it's fine. But I do think that even on our team, like Matt, I would say your definition of professionalism is different than mine and mine's different than Bethany's and Bethany's is different than Don's. Like, we're, we all have like weird different definitions of it and we've all worked together for years. Yeah. I was going to say, you said when you first entered the workforce, that's not true. You and I had a very big heart to heart about being tardy to work. This is of course, pre-COVID. It was a while ago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was five years ago. Are you going to let it go yet? No. Five it years. Hurt, it hurt very much bad. Oh uh, my God. Much bad. Um, With a new to a standard, man. Professionalism. Bethany, what do you think? What was the question? Professionalism. <laughs> like, do you have a standard or maybe where do you think that comes from? I have thoughts, but I wanted to hear from you first. I, I mean, it's modeled for us. I think we've seen just depending on how it's been modeled for us or our what generation we are from or what type of, of industries we've been in and things like that. So I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to that. And then also, like you mentioned as an aside too, is like some of this is just emotional intelligence, which, so there's, I don't know, there's lots of factors that play, play into what, how we view professionalism. So, and, and, and I like how you said, sometimes it's modeled for us, right? If you work with an industry right now, I can't say it's 100% of the model modeled for us, right? But if I'm in a leadership position, kind of a management position, part of my job is to model the expectation of how I want others to also operate within the organization. And I know, I'm just going to be candid, some of you are not good at that. 
Some of you fail at that, right? And and that needs to be a standard of professionalism, maybe for you too. But honestly, my thought is like our definition of uh, professionalism probably comes from our own internal set of rules of what we're deeming as as professional. You know, we work with organizations all over the country, and it's not unusual. When in unusual when we are in working in California, they're like uh, we we say okay, so we'll start at eight a.m. tomorrow. And they're like, if you get here at eight, you're going to be the only one here at eight. We'll see you around 10, something like that. We'll roll in about that time. And it's not because their lack of professionalism, it's just a difference in standard, right? It's just a difference in how in how uh, organizations operate. So I think there is an element of this professionalism there too. Bethany? I was just going to say, I love working with West Coast companies. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, you guys can just all move here. No, I... It'll work. <laughs> No. And so, you know, we're going to bleed into the idea and I want to create maybe guardrails or definitions around Bethany talked about emotional intelligence. There's four main quadrants to emotional intelligence, right? And this maybe surprises some people too, but emotional intelligence is this self-awareness first. It starts with self-awareness. Are you aware of the things of you? Are you aware of how you respond to different situations or the vibe that maybe you're putting off? Once I become aware of some of those things, and sometimes I can't just be aware myself, somebody has to bring that to my attention to help me become aware of how, wow, did you see how you reacted to this or that? Step two is once I become aware of those things, how do I then manage it if I want to, right? This is where some people hop off the bus and they're like, well, just deal with it. This is America. You can, why do I have to sink to your level? You come to my level, meet me where I am. But self-management is the important factor that says, okay, I'm aware of these things, might not be super appealing to people. How do I choose to then manage those with a grain of salt? Which leads us into the third part of the third step of emotional intelligence, which is social awareness. Not only, this is the part that I think that I think blows people's minds because emotional intelligence is not just about recognizing you and your emotions, but it's also recognizing other people and their emotions too, which is difficult for some people. I would say it's difficult for some people just because it's hard to pick up on the on the receptors there. But I think it's also difficult for some people because there's an air of humility with this idea of social awareness too. Like, why do I care how other people are feeling? And then once I cross that bridge and I'm aware, I'm, I'm able to pick up the vibe, I always say, you know, how you enter a funeral is different than how you enter a birthday. And every class I teach that for, they're like, depends who died. And I get it. I understand that. But you understand the vibe, right, of what we're saying. The social awareness, are you able to pick up the temperature in the room? Are you able to understand how other people are feeling around you? And then the last one is relationship management. So what are the things that I need to do in order to better the relationships or build the relationships there? And sometimes if we are this title of bringing your best self to work or your real self to work, uh, sometimes we are doing things that cross the line, especially in that socially aware, you know, the social awareness aspect, and we don't ever get to that relationship management because we're we're maybe blind to it. So, Bethany, yeah, I, I was. This makes me think about how you know, in coaching people a lot, I feel like often we hear things like, "Well, this is just how I am," or like, "This is just me," or you know, and they and they sort of come across. Um, not great. So they maybe have, maybe they do have emotional intelligence enough to know that like people that they know how they come across and people don't always like it, but they're just kind of like, well, whatever, like, that's just me. They can just deal with it. Or like, why do I have to be the one to change, you know, how I act or whatever. And I guess my question in those situations is, 
well, like, how is that go? Like, how is that working for you? (laughs) You know, like, is it working for you? Are you getting the desired outcome that you want by showing up to work and having interactions the way that you are? And usually the answer is no, which is why we're coaching in the first, (laughs) which is why we're coaching in the first place. And so I think that's where, I mean, I think that's where the biggest opportunity is, is like, fine, show up that way at work, keep doing your, having those types of interactions, because that's just you. But if you want to change the outcomes, then you're going to have to change how you interact and speak to people and respond to people. I think, I think you bring up a great point and kind of what I was illustrating there. So I've made it to the point of socially aware. Yes, I'm aware I'm difficult and no, I do not care. And so they they don't stop or they don't take that next step to get to the relationship management to say, okay, so I need to internally digest that. And what do I need to do to be able to better that part about me? And we could take that next step here in just a minute. Diana, I know you wanted to add something before that. Do you still have that thought? No, I think Bethany covered it because I was kind of going to say, why should we care? Like, why should we say there is a better way to interact or you shouldn't do that how you authentically would do that if you just aren't? I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it if you aren't being socially aware of the environment. But I think Bethany said it really well when she was like, is it working? Are you getting the outcomes that you want? And the answer is probably no. If you're not reading the room, if you're making things awkward or if you're making people uncomfortable, you're probably not getting what you want. And you're probably hindering your ability to move forward and a team's ability to move forward. So if that's happening, this is why this is probably part of the reason why. So I think I just wanted to put some context around why is this important? Why should we have these boundaries? Why should we think about this social awareness and this reading the room? Like, why is that important? So I think we got there. Yeah. Yeah. And Bethany, this, you know, to to your point, you do a lot of the coaching for the clients that we have and people that are looking for executive coaching, but in your scenario, they have an awareness that it's a problem right? You have your, your questioning, your questions are trying to lead them to say, okay, so let's talk about why it's a problem. And then how do we overcome that? Sometimes in the scenarios though, they're not aware. They're not aware. Have we had that to where, okay, so I'll give you an example. I had a conversation with somebody just a few days ago and they were looking for help for a manager within the organization. And one of the frustrations was the manager had a hard time, first of all, having difficult conversations. And I said, well, what are some of the difficult conversations they're not having? And they said, well, the most recent episode came from this younger generation workforce that's there. And the young, one of them is an oversharer of personal things. It wasn't, it wasn't that they An were oversharer. Oversharer in public to where customers might also hear. You guys know these this, right? They're not being blunt or aggressive. They're just kind of friendly and just walk all over that line, right? And an they're open are, book, if you will. Open book, which those aren't bad things. I'm an open book too, but time and place sure. I think is also yeah. that's the emotional intelligence part, right? And so getting somebody who's maybe unaware of that they're being equally affected by it maybe negatively but what steps do we have for people who how do i help bring that awareness to somebody that is not aware yeah i think that's the hardest thing to do is helping somebody who has no idea of how they're coming across in those situations i think one of the one of the questions that i ask in those situations is what kind of feedback are you getting from people? 
So like, what is your boss telling you? Like, have you gotten feedback from your boss and what kind of things are they sharing with you? Or like just questions to help them think about how, like, how are people responding to you in the workplace? Because usually again, like we are aware that there's something that's not, (laughs) that's not working. We know maybe a situation like that, but they might not be aware of it. And so we have to be able to say like with the people you're working with, what are their responses usually, or how are your managers giving you feedback? And hopefully they are giving at least some feedback to help them think on that. And then we can kind of go from there. I like that. I like that thought. Like these aren't my words or your words. What other words have you heard from people like your manager? How how does that normally go? Boss says, come into my office. How does that feel? Uh, Why would that happen? I like those types of open-ended questions um, like that too, to maybe help them become aware. But ultimately this podcast is is designed for you, right? As the listener. Now, if you're a manager of people, you might be going, okay, I I think I, that gives me a good framework to be able to have a conversation. I have a couple of employees that I probably need to have that conversation with. And maybe you can be, you know, tangibly go do that. But what if this is you and you are sitting there going, oh, crap, I might fall right in line with some of this stuff. And I don't even I don't even know it. Like, how how do I how do I build parameters for myself? And maybe let's take the conversation that way. Like, what are some of those parameters we might say, like some do's and don'ts or some things to consider if you are trying to make sure that you are showing up with your best self at work? Well, I was going to say I'm probably a bad person to ask about this because I don't share a lot. I'm an undersharer. Say right, right. Yeah. Say that again. That's what I, I know. <laughs> we worked for a long time together. Yeah. So I'm an undershare, but I do think to Bethany's point, there is something about: Are you being effective? Are you able to get things done the way that you want them done? And if the answer is no, it, maybe it is time to take a look at yourself and say, like, why is this happening to me? Why can I not get something over the finish line? Why can I not? you know, show something that's really clever or really going to help the company and it's not received well. So I think it's probably, you need to take a look at, are you effective first? And if not, then that this could be why this might be a starting point. I think that's a, I think that's a great thought. So in that internal dialogue for yourself, maybe as you're on the treadmill or you're in the car, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, maybe that's a good question to start with. Am I being effective? Do I feel like I'm making an impact positively on the organization? Am I able to move things forward that I feel like we need to be able to move forward? That's a good, it's a good first pulse check there. What other parameters might we suggest or advice might we give to be able to pulse check individually? Well, I was going to add on to what Diana said. So what was the last thing that you said? Like if, or Matt, you said to like pulse check, if you're able to get things across the line, I think The other, I think part of it that you have to think about too, is just like, it's easy in those situations to like blame other people and to point the finger at people and say, well, I can't get this done because that person, well, they just do this. And so I can never get stuff done. So I just, it's just everybody else (laughs) and on the team or in the company. And if that's your mentality, like, again, gut check that. I think that's just a piggyback off of what Diana was saying, because you can't change what they're doing right now. So how how can you change what you're doing? And if it's everybody else's fault all the time, then that's probably a red flag for yourself. <laughs> I think so. I think 
Yeah, I think you rock right up there too. I, I can't do it because of these people and I can't do it because of this person or, and you know what? I'm just going to validate you. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's true. But what Bethany just said is I can't move them. I can't change them. This is an internal kind of dialogue for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I would also sort of add that while, while my directness and inability to like worry about empathy and other humans has in the past made me quite effective, but it didn't make me popular. Right. So like I was able to do a lot of things, but nobody really liked doing them with me. So I feel like there's probably a, a way to look at yourself and be like, man, am I, am I liked at work? Do people enjoy working with me? Am I, Am I effective and friendly? Am I, you know, having a positive impact on the team? Do people like me? Because I think humans want to like each other and they will look, they will overlook all your quirks. They will overlook that you're not like them. They will overlook a lot of stuff. But if you make them feel diminished or dumb or ineffective or whatever, if you're not valuing the other people, then it's probably not going to work either. So like, I think there's some moment where you need to ask yourself, like, am I effective and also creating good relationships? You know, let me add this for people like Diana, uh, because this is something that I often say in those moments, too, because am I liked at work? Sometimes the short answer is don't care. We have crap to do. I have plenty of friends. I don't need friends at work. I genuinely don't care. That's part of the problem. I don't care. (laughs) I have friends. I don't need you people. Yeah, let me let me let me say this though. It's not about being liked. It, you you want to build the relationships with people so they will like you, but it's not about being liked. It's so then I can also create change here. I can create buy-in here. I can move this project that I'm trying to move forward here. Now I can strong arm that and push it over the goal line and make no friends at all, but I'm also probably not creating super engaged people around me that want to help me do those things. Yeah, I'm not leveraging those relationships and leveraging those people and those That's skills. That's really what it is. It sounds coarse, right? But you're really, I, I am doing it. Not The end game is not to be liked. It's to leverage the relationship, right? It's to be the ease, if you want things to move along easier, like you kind of do want people to like you a little bit. And I get it. It's to what, to what you're saying in that. It's like, there's a lot of, like, we'll just say managers who are probably like, I, yeah, I really don't care if people like me because we're here to get a job done and that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm going to do. So I just need them to do what I say every day and we won't have any issues and totally, I get that. Yeah, for sure. Except for like, it's going to be a lot harder to get them to do what you want them to do. So it might be more effective to have them like you a little bit. (laughs) And the turnover will happen. Like people won't stay in those environments. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which seems to be a popular topic also around the country. How do I get these people to stay? You might want to leverage your, I don't know, engagement, your friendliness, your partnerships, whatever, however you want to say that. Again, not because you care about people being happy or not because you care about it, whether they're friends or not, but because it will make your job easier to accomplish the things that you're already trying to accomplish. I think for me, one of the parameters maybe you can potentially set is one, consider your audience, know who you're talking to, no, understand the relationship, maybe even the hierarchy. Um, and I do this a lot. I speak a lot at events 
And sometimes I will have, mm, that's a witty comment. I should speak into this microphone right now. And then I will let it just fly, fly right by without saying it with certain audiences. Other audiences, I'm like, mm, no, I think they're going to eat this up. And you can go different places with different people, but, but it's because I have an understanding of who is in front of me. I have an understanding of who I'm talking to and maybe the engagement of those people. How into it are they also? And my second piece of advice there would be, in, instead of, in, in addition to just knowing your audience, consider your thought. And it, before I say this, is it helpful? Is it hurtful? And sometimes, by the way, and Diana would probably agree to this. I know Bethany would probably agree to this too. Sometimes the message might come across as very, very direct, but dang it, that's what was needed in that time too. So we're not saying all the messages have to be super friendly. Sometimes I have to be direct to be able to just really help drive home a point or move this along. But knowing your audience and consider the thought, am I saying this just to fight with people, just to ruffle a feather? Or is there actually fruit at the end of this, even though it might be a difficult conversation up front? So I would think about, uh, you know, throwing out parameters. I think those are maybe two to pulse check individually for yourself before uh, maybe saying some things or, or recognizing the people that you're with. Yeah. I also think you can be more authentically you after you've built some of those relationships, right? After you've engaged with people and and become comrades and like hung out a little bit and value each other, you can be more authentically you, you can mess up more often and you will get more grace. So yeah. like, I can go to Matt and be weirdly direct. And he's just like, are you having a bad day? What's up with you? Like, why yeah. are you being so mean to me? And then we laugh it off and I'm like, oh, sorry. I just like went back into work mode or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot more grace because I have built the relationship. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, we're not saying don't show your personality like, at work. <laughs> like, don't be a robot. Obviously we want you to like, come in, be yourself in some ways at work, like show your personality. I don't think that's what we mean. It's just the, when we start justifying sort of like the dark sides of our personality, or we're oversharing maybe information that's like, not everybody needs to know this in all settings at work, or being professional um, in situations that you need to be professional in all of those different things. It's that emotional intelligence, but don't be a cold, heartless robot at work either. So just want to say that. <laughs> I will try not to be. Thanks, Diana. That was for you. All promises. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. Thank uh, you for your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> or just like the conversation we had right before we hopped on, I will file that away, Bethany. Thank you very much uh, for that. Everybody. No, I think that's, I think that's good. I, I think, I think our team is probably a good example of, I think we probably are, are closer than a lot of organizations that we work with just because we're, I mean, we're a small team. We're together quite a bit. We know each other's families and, and uh, you know, so it's kind of a, kind of on a, on a different level, uh, on a different level there too. So what other direction do you want to take this in? Or does it feel like we've covered this from a couple of different angles and we feel pretty good about it? I feel good about it. People know that if they ever have questions or want more information about this, that they can reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've shared some good takeaways, maybe some tidbits there. Hopefully you took uh, took away at least one thing that you can internally try to do. If you're a manager or a business owner or a department head, hopefully you can kind of digest that, understand that maybe your people are looking for you as, as far as what an example of, of professionalism looks like. If you're doing stuff that your people will get in trouble for in front of your people, maybe we don't do that. 
But share the podcast always, as always. Feel free to give us other topics to talk about. Listen to the outro and find out more. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.